Hey there, Cowboy fans. Welcome to the Unbiased Podcast on America's Team. I'm your host, Austin Smith, and joining me as always is Coach Ty Rogers, one of our analysts over at Pigskin Nut and a lifelong Cowboy fan. And we are the Big D Beatdown. And we are brought to you today by pigskinnut.com, the soon-to-be undisputed king of football news and podcasts. Whether you're in your car, taking a break from work, or just relaxing at the house, it's always better to be doing so while you're getting your football fix. We break down players on our pro football scouting show, as well as tackle some of the most current and controversial topics on on our football roundtable. We discuss some of the all-time greats on our show wide right and put out exclusive shows on some of your favorite NFL teams, such as the Giants, Eagles, Browns, Broncos, Chiefs, Steelers, and of course your Dallas Cowboys. Make Pigskin Nut your ultimate source for football news and podcasts. If you want quality football analysis with independent opinions from people who know and understand the X's and O's of the game, head on over to Pigskin Nut. Remember guys, Pigskin Nut for those crazy about football. All right, uh, Coach Ty. We uh, this show today. We uh, we just got the big news. Uh, Jason Garrett is obviously out as uh, Cowboys head coach. They are not going to be uh, renewing his contract. Um, and in steps Mike McCarthy. Uh, Mike McCarthy, obviously, for those of y'all who remember Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. Uh, for quite a while, does have a Super Bowl under his belt. Uh, back in two thousand and ten. Um, had kind of a, him and Aaron Rodgers kind of butted heads there towards the end uh, that eventually led to Mike McCarthy being shown the door. Um, but he is your new head coach. We also have had, had it confirmed that he'll be bringing in the New Orleans Saints linebacker coach, uh, Mike Nolan, as his uh, defensive coordinator. Mike Nolan, another longtime guy in the NFL, um, 21 seasons as either a defensive coordinator or head coach uh, in the NFL. So uh, definitely a lot of experience there. We'll get into both Mike McCarthy and uh, Mike Nolan uh, here in a bit. But first, let's let's start off with with you know just kind of a a recap of of Jason Garrett's career here in Dallas. And you know now that it's over, uh, I think you know Cowboys fans, you know you you learn to appreciate uh, you know all the things that he did, and not just focus on the shortcomings. You know, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff out there about, oh, Jason Garrett, you know, uh, the career, you know, think about the careers of people like DeMarcus Ware and, and Tony Romo and Jason Witten and Des Bryant and, and, you know, and, and, and Sean Lee and, and the list goes on and on about guys that obviously DeMarcus Ware was able to go somewhere else and get himself a Super Bowl ring, but all the guys that have never have gotten a chance to win a Super Bowl, never really gotten much of a chance to play in the playoffs, you know, under Jason Garrett's tenure, and and you know, it's it, it sucks that we we focus so much on the negatives because of of you know of the recent results uh, to our Dallas Cowboys. But in the same sense, you know, y- you have to you have to you know remember the positives now that he's gone. You know, now there's no more reason to be angry at Jason Garrett. He's no longer part of the Dallas Cowboys. And Coach Ty, I mentioned this before. I wish Jerry Jones would have done Jason Garrett the courtesy of announcing this prior to that last game against the Washington Redskins because I think we could have gotten over the anger towards Jason Garrett sooner. That way, by the time he was coaching his final game, 
we would have had a fan base, you know, show up at uh, at AT and T Stadium, old Jerry World there, and they would have cheered Jason Garrett in that final game, as opposed to the uncertainty of all oh, is he coming back? He better not be coming back. Feel that you know that they had. We could have appreciated Jason Garrett for the man he was, the leader he was here in Dallas. You know, uh, a lot of the things he did for the community, for his players. You know, we could have gotten a chance to appreciate that. Coach Ty, I'm going to swing it over to you. What What are some of your fonder mer- memories of Jason Garrett? Well, you know, when Jason Garrett came into, as a player, came into the playoff game in 1993 against the Packers, and, um, you know, Eggman's hurt. We're, we're trying to figure out if it's going to, you know, have any opportunity to win that game, and he leads them to a victory. I mean, Jason Garrett has some pretty, you know, I have some pretty special memories of him as a player, as a young Cowboy fan. Um, as a coach, you know, we we forget a little bit. And again, you know, fans have short memories. Always, what have you done for me lately, especially in the so- social media age? Forget that Jason Garrett was kind of the chosen one for a long time. And people were just waiting for him to become the head coach during the Wade Phillips era. And, you know, they were just saying, man, I just can't wait till this guy, you know, why don't they hand it over to him? You know, why isn't he the guy who's getting the opportunity to be the head coach? And he comes in after they fire uh, Wade Phillips in Green Bay, ironically again. And he, uh, you know, leads the the Cowboys to a win over the New York Giants at the end of the year. Um, That, you know, at at the time they, you know, thought that wasn't going to happen. Jason Garrett did a lot of really good things for this this organization. Um, I had a couple of chances to meet him as a high school coach. Uh, we went a couple of times to, uh, you know, at the time in the Valley Ranch, we weren't quite the star yet, but um, I went over there with the head coach that uh, that I was with, Brian Adams, in 2016, and we went over and did the, the Cowboys 7-on-7 seven seven, uh, high school passing uh, competition they had that summer. And the guy was just very well-spoken, a great a guy who was very detailed. He, he had a young Ezekiel Elliott at the time, and we remember meeting him and and I remember how Ezekiel Elliott reached out to one of our kids and really helped him to, to be a really confident kid going into the season we played that year. Um, it, people forget also the reputation of the Dallas Cowboys before Jason Carey came along when it came to players. I mean, you know, one of the things that if there was a negative in the Jimmy Johnson era, it was definitely that the Cowboys had a reputation for bringing players who were going to get in trouble, who were going to get across uh, with the law. And that were, you know, very uh, suspect in their character. He never had that with Jason Garrett. Um, so there were a lot of things that, he, as Jerry Jones pointed out in his uh, statement, uh, you know, saying that Jerry, that uh, Jace was no longer going to be with a, the franchise that he did, that I think the Cowboys organization definitely deserves uh, to thank him for and that he definitely deserves credit for. Um, you know, he made the change this year, and although it was not all that successful, when it came to record, and there are some reasons for that, but giving Kellen Moore the opportunity to come in, you go from having the worst passing offense in the league to the best passing offense in the league. So there are a lot of things that he did that were very uh, beneficial and positive to uh, you know to, to the the Cowboys organization. I think he drafted well uh, during the time he was here. If you look at the talent that's on this roster, and part of the reason, unfortunately, got him fired was that we thought that he had a group of guys this year that could have been Super Bowl worthy. And a lot of that was taking, you know, guys. And, of course, you know, part of that uh, credit also goes to Will McClay and, and to Stephen Jones. 
um, where you know they had opportunities to draft guys that the public wanted them to draft. Let's uh, not forget the Johnny Manziel and uh, you know uh, Travis Frederick situation. Um, you know, people wanted Johnny Manziel to come be the quarterback and all these type of things, and they took uh, a you know. Uh, um, that, that was Zach Martin, by Zach the way. Martin, yeah, and they yeah. took a, you know, uh, ended up taking a, a guard that, uh, you know, everybody was like, well, I don't know about this guy. I don't know if he's going to have the chops <clears> to play in the NFL. And, you know, now he's the best guard in the NFL. So um, there were a lot of good things that happened under Jason Garrett's tenure. The only issues that eventually cost him his job was that with talent and with expectation, it's supposed to come results. And when it came to the playoffs, he just wasn't able to get there, whether it was, uh, you know, coaching decisions or whether it was personnel, whether it was bad luck. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> I kind of chided my New Orleans Saints fans uh, that are friends of mine uh, yesterday because they were whining and complaining about interferences, um, you know, that happened last year and then what happened in the playoff game this year. And uh, I said, well, at least y'all didn't have a catch that was a catch that the NFL decided it wasn't. Um, you know, because uh, Des Bryant, if that ball is, is called a catch, the Cowboys go on to play Seattle, they may have gotten to a Super Bowl that year. Um, but bottom line, you know, those were things, obviously, that, that ended up ending Jason Garrett's tenure here. But to say that his tenure was negative is a very short-sighted idea. Uh, I think he brought a lot of things to the organization. I think that Mike McCarthy is in a position, if he does well with his staff and, and it does well with taking – this personnel that he has and then obviously with the free agency period that he's going to go through and getting the guys in that he needs to mix with the the talents already under contract here to put the Cowboys in a legitimate position to be a Super Bowl contender in 2020 and if that happens you know you can't look at what Jason Garrett did and say oh well he didn't have anything to do with that uh the personnel this year a lot of them is uh, you know come from him and yeah, he did a lot of very good things and was definitely a high-class, high-character guy. So uh, a lot of kudos to him. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, hopefully Cowboy fans are, uh, have enough of a uh, you know, vision to wish him well wherever he happens to go. Now, there's a lot of uh, rumors out there that the New York Giants is going to be that place. So maybe not so well uh, you know, against the Cowboys. But uh, I think Jason Garrett will coach in this league somewhere else, like Jerry Jones said. And he very well might have success. Yeah, you know, um, before I, I give you a few of my memories on Jason Garrett, I, let me just say this. Um, you bring up the Dez no-catch. Once again, who is that against the Green Bay Packers? I wonder if Jerry Jones asked him that in the interview. Mike, was it a catch or not a catch from your standpoint? I And, I, and, and if not, then I hope that we've at least got a reporter out there then in that opening press conference, I want to know, Mike McCarthy, what do you think? Did Dez catch it or not? We all know he did. I just want to know what Mike McCarthy's opinion is on that. However, uh, getting back to Jason Garrett, you know what? The thing I will always remember about him is his passion towards the people in this organization. His passion for his players. Go back to listen and listen to his speech on Jason Witten's retirement a year ago. Now, of course, Jason Witten did end up coming back, coming out of retirement. But, you know, when Jason Witten announced his retirement and Jason Garrett gave that speech about Jason Witten, you know, the why option and all that, uh, 
You know, you could just see how much he loved his players there. And you know what, guys? Uh, go, go, you know, go back and look at the story about Babe Laufenberg's son. You know, and and Jason Garrett's, you know, you know his 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 you know love for having you know obviously for Babe Laufenberg, who's been a part of the Cowboys uh, organization for quite some time in the broadcast booth. You know, um, obviously a player at one point too, but. Uh, you know the relationship that he built with uh, with Babe Laufenberg's late son, um, who ended up passing away. You know, and and just the the passion, you know, that he had for for basically the Dallas Cowboys family. You know, for the Joneses, for the the people in the front office, for for everybody. You know, the players, you know, everybody involved. Jason Garrett, you know, just uh, he loved him. And, you know, while, while we obviously all will, you know, a lot of people just remember the claps and the not a lot of emotion and the, the press conferences or the, you know, on the sideline, you know, guys, uh, you know, he, he, he may not have shown it, but this guy was an emotional guy. This guy loved the people around him, loved the people in this organization. And, you know, that, that's what I will always remember about Jason Garrett, uh, and, you know, and, and of course, you know, the, the Green Bay game, you know, obviously uh, the Thanksgiving game as well, where I think he filled in for, for eight men against the Packers as well. You know, just uh, some great uh, memories um, of Jason Garrett as part of the, and, and this organization. And who knows, you know, there may come a day where Jason Garrett does end up uh, as part of the, uh, the front office organization, whether it's as a consultant, whether it's in the scouting department, something for those of you who, who do not know Jason Garrett's father was a heck of a scout for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, so, so the, his roots in this organization go beyond just him. So, um, definitely something that, um, that, you know, who knows, maybe that could happen one day, but I, I'm with you on that coach Ty. Absolutely. You know, Hats off to Jason Garrett. You know, be- best of luck to him wherever he winds up. Um, I am excited about a new, a fresh start for these Dallas Cowboys with a new head coach. Uh, and we're going to get into that new head coach uh, right after this break on the Big D Beatdown. And we are back here on the Big D Beatdown. I'm your host, Austin Smith, joined as always by Coach Ty Rogers. And we are talking about the... Uh, the Cowboys head coaching situation. And for those of you who uh, haven't quite gotten the full story yet, Jason Garrett was, uh, you know, made aware that, that they will not renew his contract. Um, Mike McCarthy has been signed to be the new Dallas Cowboys head contract or a head coach. I beg your pardon. And, um, and um, we are, uh, we're going to discuss Mike McCarthy now. Um, like I say, you know, former Green Bay Packers head coach, uh, quite a while, in fact, 2006 all the way to 2018. He was let go uh, during the season in that 2018 season. Um, he's only got three losing seasons among those 13 years that he was the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, two of which were his final two in Green Bay when him and Aaron Rodgers were rumored to have been uh, butting heads you know, through those two seasons. So, I mean, really, you know, prior to the last two seasons, he had one losing season. That was his third year in Green Bay. Um, and that, that, that's that's obviously impressive. Uh, another thing that's impressive, you know, 125 wins, 125-77-2 and two overall as a head coach, 10-8 uh, and eight in the playoffs, obviously the Super Bowl run there in 2010. You know, Mike McCarthy, this is a guy that um, – for starters, this is a guy 
that I think if you wanted a proven NFL head coach, I think this guy was at the top of the list. Ahead of um of Ron Rivera, who who obviously signed quickly in Washington, ahead of, in, uh, of any of the NFL head coaching prospects that, like I say, with NFL head coaching experience, I do believe Mike McCarthy was at the top of that list. Now, I'm sure there are Cowboy fans out there that had some collegiate names on their mind, whether it be Lincoln Riley, whether it be Urban Meyer. Me personally, I, I was big on the Chris Peterson bandwagon, uh, the former coach at Washington who stepped down this year. Um, I thought those uh, hires all had, you know, in one way or another made sense. Um, there were also some coordinators out there. You know, obviously we had a couple here that at times people talked about as head coaching candidates. Kellen Moore, Chris Richard, um, you know, guys like Eric uh, Benimi that's over in Kansas City. And, and I'm not 100% if I'm I'm pronouncing that name correct, but but I know he he's an outstanding offense coordinator. Another off the Andy Reid tree. Um, there were other people like um, um, like Greg Roman over in um, in Baltimore who's done some very, very good things. Uh, with with Lamar Jackson there, there's uh you know a, a number of coaches. Uh, Salah over and with the 49ers, another guy a lot of people think's getting an opportunity. Obviously, uh, Josh McDaniels in New England, another guy that people think uh, has got a head coaching future eventually. If it if it's not going to be in New England, which we'll get to that on another day. But uh, Coach Ty, you know, for starters, uh, let's talk about how do you feel about the McCarthy hire and. Who was really your guy that you really were kind of crossing your fingers for, whether he be a coordinator and off uh, or a collegiate coach or a former NFL head coach? Who who did you have your eye on? Well, you know, I think that the McCarthy hire is a good hire. Um, I don't know that I had a guy. You know, you know, I know it's the easy way out, uh, but this is the truth of the matter was I, I didn't really root for anybody. There was a lot of research that I was kind of putting in um, as to who would be better. I honestly didn't think the college guys that everybody wanted uh, were going to be a good fit. And I know that that, you know, seems a little contrary for me being somebody who's a high school coach and, and has talked about, you know, some of the aspirations to go to college and, and how I think that the college game is inventive. Um, and then also talking about how Kellen Moore's offense, uh, you know, some of the college concepts uh, helped the Cowboys this year. But I didn't think a Lincoln Riley, I didn't think a Chris Peterson was going to be a great fit because the, the Cowboys are, are such a different organization than many in the NFL with the pressure, um, particularly in the media. Um, you look at Keith, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, what he's got going on in Arizona right now. The reason that's okay is because Arizona's market is not quite as intense. Um, but coming here and going, I think the Cardinals went five eight one this year. That'd get him. That would get the Dallas Cowboys coach in hot water immediately. Whoever it was coming out of college. So I didn't really want a college guy. NFL wise, um, you know, if there was anybody I really was interested in or really kind of intrigued with, I really wanted to see if Eric Bieniemy had the opportunity, what he'd be able to do. Um, only because Eric Bieniemy is a guy, like I said, comes off of that Andy Reid tree. And I think Andy Reid's the most inventive offensive mind in the NFL right now um, and has been for a long time. More than anything else, uh, you know, Andy Reid does a great, great job with personnel and with his quarterbacks. So I thought that he might be a, a good fit for Dak Prescott. But, you know, McCarthy brings an experience with a high-profile quarterback. He definitely brings Super Bowl um, 
you know, a, a Super Bowl win under his belt. And more than anything else, what I think was interesting, I started doing some research on him and this analytics shop that he put together with a couple other ex-NFL coaches over last year. And, you know, at first, like I, I you know, made a comment pre-show, that I was a little bit concerned because Dak Prescott's not a West Coast guy. There's no way he runs the West Coast offense with the type of efficiency uh, that any quarterbacks would, uh, you know, the, that Mike McCarthy would want running the West Coast offense. I think Mike McCarthy in, in Green Bay, except for his last year, was, was the play caller as well as the head coach. So I was a little concerned about that um, because I didn't want a situation like the Raiders had uh, over his last couple of years where Derek Carr just didn't fit in a John Gruden system and Derek Carr will probably be somewhere else next year because John Gruden is a West Coast guy at heart. But I think McCarthy's developed a little bit and has um, moved past, past just a pure West Coast offense. And one of the names that kept coming up when he did his research analytically was uh, Dak Prescott. And so I'm excited to see that along with the fact that he's talking about very possibly retaining Kellen Moore. Um, if he retains Kellen Moore, I, I also hope he'll re- retain John Kitna just because of what they did with Dak this year. Um, defensively, it definitely is going to, um, at least from track record, it, it's a pronounced change because Mike McCarthy's always been a 3-4 guy. The rumors are that Mike Nolan's going to be the next DC. Uh, Mike Nolan's a 3-4 guy. So what that means is one of two things. Either the Cowboys are going to make some big changes with the free agency that's going on on the defense side of the football this year and bring in some different type of personnel, or McCarthy and Nolan are going to get together and find a way to run a four-man front that is something that fits the personnel of the Dallas Cowboys at least temporarily. Now, I hope that they do one of two things with that. Either they go all the way in on 3-4, or they decide they're going to stick with the 4-2 or the 4-3, and they're going to find a way to adapt because the worst thing that could happen is to have the mishmash defense that we saw this year between Rob Marinelli and Chris Richard. We had two different systems trying to fit into one. That never works. Defensive football does not work that way, and so they've got to buy in one way or another. But overall, I think it's a good hire. I don't know if there's anybody else out there other than, like I said, maybe the possibility of Eric Bieniemy being somebody that I thought was going to be someone you know that, that might be a better fit. Uh, but uh, I think that Mike McCarthy of the available candidates out there is one of the best ones, if not the best one. And hopefully uh, you know, the impression he made on Jerry Jones is that he's going to be the best guy for this team. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I did leave, you know, that we only had – Answer me this real quick, um, Coach Ty, because I I did think this was a little odd. You know, obviously we had the absolute craziness of the, oh, Jason Garrett and and the Joneses are going to meet again tomorrow. No resolution today, they're going to meet again tomorrow. And and it just, you know, it was ridiculous. You know, there were no announcements. Um, we kept hearing, oh, he's still concluding his exit interviews and all that stuff. And, um, uh, you know, it was just a, you know, I don't know. You know, Jerry, no one's ever credited Jerry for, for you know, not wanting the attention. You know, I wonder how much of that was part of this of, oh, yeah, let's just, let's get, let's keep the attention on the Dallas Cowboys, even though we've got the playoffs going on over here. But, um, but in the end, we only interview two guys. Mike McCarthy, Marvin Lewis. 
you know, for those of you, Marvin Lewis, the Cincinnati Bengals coach for a long time, very good guy, very similar to what I think Jason Garrett is. Terrific guy. His players love for him, love him. They play hard for him. Um, no success in the playoffs. Zero success. Cincinnati, I mean, it became became a running joke how long Cincinnati would keep him around without having a playoff win. Um, I, I just I remember hearing that and I said, you know what? I'm a big fan of Marvin Lewis as a person. Much like Jason Garrett, I don't know how much of a big uh, a, a fan of him as a head coach I am. Um, coach Ty, you know, only two interviews. Does that shock you at all? Not with the Joneses, it doesn't. I don't think Jerry Jones wanted a long, drawn-out process when it came to uh, the head coach. Uh, I thought he may have interviewed a few more people just because there were rumors to such uh, in you know from sources outside of the organization that had talked to front office people and and, and that they thought that was going to be the case. But I also know Jerry Jones from the history here in Dallas well enough to know that once he sets his sights on something, he's not going to relent and he's not going to change direction. I never thought they'd hire Myron Lewis. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, you know, whether or not it was a Rooney rule situation, which, by the way, is the biggest joke in the NFL. And I'll say that as a minority coach, um, you know, for those who don't uh, hear the, the big D beat down a lot, I'm mixed race. I think that the, the Rooney rule is the most ridiculous rule in the NFL. It actually hurts black and Hispanic coaches more than it helps because it brings them in for interviews they're really never going to get. And I do agree with you. Marvin Lewis is very much the Jason Garrett of the Cincinnati organization or was for many years. A good character guy, somebody who brought them success in the regular season, got them in the playoffs, but he could never get past uh, the AFC competition and win a playoff game. And maybe even more importantly, Marvin Lewis had a ton of problems with, with character, with players there who were seemed very undisciplined. And I was not very uh, enthusiastic about him as a coach coming in here. Um, the fact that they got McCarthy, I think that what Jerry saw was obviously that he's really done a good job of, uh, you know, in the past, he, he's definitely been keeping up with things with this analytics shop that he's been running. But maybe more importantly, he had an interview with the Browns. He had an interview um, earlier with the, the Panthers. And so this was a hot commodity. This is a guy that other teams wanted. And if he left Dallas, there's a good chance he may not have came back. And so whatever Mike McCarthy did to impress Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones wasn't going to let him go. So ultimately, it doesn't surprise me because what Jerry, you know, when, when Jerry wants something, he gets it. And uh, I think that um, whatever happened, Mike McCarthy and him hit it off, and he was not going to let him leave town without becoming his new coach. Yeah, you know, and and Coach Ty, you know, I I can't agree with you more on the Rooney Rule. Um, and 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 for those of y'all who don't know, I I am white. I, there are no mixed race or anything like that. However, a I think it it diminishes more minority coaches as head coaching candidates as opposed to builds them up. I know y'all, oh, yes, you're getting more of them in front of owners and, and all that. Guys, the these coaches, you know, people the, the, the NFL is a community. These are peers. You know a lot of these guys. Coaches talk with other coaches on other staffs all the time. 
You know, Jason Garrett, I'm sure, has talked over the years about a number of the hot assistant coaches, you know, hot position coaches, guys that are moving up the ladder as far as their career stands and, and you know, and with the Joneses. And that that's every head coach. That's every head coach with their front office. Guys, these owners know who the hot candidates are. They know who the next guy that should be bumping up from a quality control to a, a position coach, from a position coach to a uh, a coordinating a coordinator position. You know, they they know it. So many times these guys go into a situation with a very certain agenda in mind, and that is to find someone that fits what they're looking for. In this case with Jerry Jones, I think it's easy. I think he said, look, I think we've got the pieces. I thought we had the pieces last year. I still think we've got the pieces. Therefore, anybody who's going to cause us to take a major step backwards is out the door. So I think he went into this with a very narrow list of guys. Guys, I, you know, and, and you know what? It, Having said that, that probably makes sense why we didn't see a single college coach hired. They don't have experience in the NFL, then you know what? I'm not willing to take that gamble. We've got a lot of talent on this Dallas Cowboys team. I don't want to see it go to waste over the next two, three years while a head coach gets, you know, gets comfortable in the NFL. So I think he did. I think he went into it and said, you know what? I need a guy with head coaching experience in the NFL. Because we want we want a quick turnaround. We want to we want to be competing for an NFC t- title next year. We want to be competing in the playoffs next year. And you know what? Looking at the landscape, there's only a few guys that fit that bill. One of them just took the job in Washington, and Ron Rivera. I brought in two of the others, and you know, and he went with it. I wouldn't go so far as to say that Marvin Lewis was. Um, a Rooney Rule interview, though. I, I really don't believe that. Marvin Lewis is a highly respected person in the NFL. You know, uh, I, I don't believe you take, honestly, what's probably the most accomplished blackhead coach on the market and do that to him. I really do not think that's what you do. So, you know, I, I don't believe that one bit. Now, there were some some rumors out there on Twitter that, that Marvin Lewis, you know, all part of his, um, and I think these were more jokes, part of his, uh, you know, the reason Cowboys didn't go with him is he was demanding Hugh Jackson be his offensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, Hugh Jackson is not a name, I think. I, I think he's a terrific football mind. I think the way he handled the Cleveland Browns situation after he was fired, he went on basically a two-week media tour of blaming everybody else in that organization, uh, and it it that's that's not what a leader does. That's not somebody I would have wanted here in Dallas. Um, you know, I, I don't know how serious that was. I think that's probably more people just joking and, and than any more than anything. But still, you know, I if this is what Jerry Jones wanted, he wanted a quick turnaround. He wanted somebody who could take the talent we have and get them back to competing at a high level next season. Then I think Mike McCarthy was the best candidate on the market, better than Ron Rivera, better than a a Marvin Lewis, better than some of the other former head coaching names that we've got that are now coordinators or maybe not in the league. I thought Mike McCarthy was probably the best uh, that we were going to get. 
Um, Coach Ty, uh, let's talk about this because Mike McCarthy, you know, coming from Green Bay, a very spread out system that they ran, like you say, a West Coast system at in Green Bay. Um, there's been times he's he's wavered from it. There's been times they've been a little bit more, you know, of a balanced team, and it uh, through the years there in Green Bay. Do you think that um, that this team? I mean, f- first off, I don't know how many three tight end sets, you know, all lined up on one side of the offensive line we are going to see out of Mike McCarthy. I mean, I think I think the Scott Linehan playbook. I don't know how it got slipped in to uh, Kellen Moore's playbook this year, but I think we're going to see that thing go out the door. However, what kind of a, uh, adjustments do you think Mike McCarthy might make? to his West Coast scheme based on the fact that Ezekiel Elliott is here, based on the fact that this offensive line is set for at least the next, uh, at least till 2023. What are you thinking about that, Coach Ty? I definitely think that they're going to run the football more than he ever did in Green Bay because he never had a running back in Green Bay that was worth a darn. So I definitely think that you're going to see Ezekiel Elliott get at least early on a featured role in the offense, meaning that I think they're going to line up and they're going to pound it at some people. I think that with that offensive line, you're also going to see a lot of some of the things you saw on Green Bay later in uh, the years Mike McCarthy, where they got really good at, which I'm excited for, is that they had a lot of, well, not, you know, a lot of times we talk about the RPO. Um, with McCarthy, you had a PPO. You had two different types of passes where you'd have some type of pass game on one side, you'd have a screen drawn up on the other side. And, you know, a lot of times Darren Rodgers would check the screen and, and if it you know, was not open, they'd throw it deep, that type of stuff. I, I'd really like to see some of that with Dak Prescott and with uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, but, yeah, I think that if anything, Mike McCarthy was probably going to be pretty excited about having that because he's never had it before. And I don't see him putting it to waste. Um, yeah, I don't see a lot of three tight end sets being uh, put together, but I, I would not be surprised if Mike McCarthy has a lot of H-back sets, um, maybe even has a traditional fullback, and I don't know if that means that Jimmy Wally is going to be gone or not, um, but I do think that he will have a fullback. Um, you know, uh, When he was up there, he had Miles Coon that he used a lot um, for a lot of different things personnel-wise. I would not be surprised to see that type of guy be brought into the offense here with um, the Cowboys. And then the question is, is if he retains Kellen Moore, what he's going to do there. Um, if he retains Kellen Moore, I think you're still going to see a lot of 10 personnel and maybe even more than you did here with Dow with uh, Jason Garrett. But I also think that you're going to see a lot more short passing game, a lot more, um, you know, kind of West Coast um, – concepts and, and getting rid of the ball and getting the ball out of Dak Prescott's hands, maybe a little bit more naked, you know, boots, kind of roll, you know, roll the pocket type things uh, like he used to do with Aaron Rodgers. So I think that, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, it would be the greatest blessing to Mike McCarthy's career as far as run game that he's ever had. So I can't imagine that he would not use Mike McCarthy. I mean, that he would not use Ezekiel Elliott early and often to get him involved and to, you know, if anything, just be, be excited that he's got a run game that he can balance with some of the passings that he's done with the pass. And, and, you know, if we do happen to retain Amari Cooper in free agency and, and we've got that, that three-receiver look that we had this year, 
I expect them to be on the the uh, field a lot more uh, than opposed to what we saw with the you know the three tight end sets and, and that type of thing on first and second down. So it'll be interesting. Um, but definitely, I think Zeke Elliott and that offensive line again. We've talked about on this podcast a bunch. The money in the Dallas Cowboys is involved and is invested in that offensive line, Zeke Elliott. So I can't imagine Mike McCarthy's not going to come in here and use that particularly early uh, in his tenure. Yeah, and you know one thing that you uh, that you made mention of a lot of H back looks. We've got an H back here that we like in Blake Jarwin. I tell you right now. I would love to see Blake Jarwin flourish under Mike McCarthy. And one thing I will tell you guys about Mike McCarthy's uh, West Coast scheme that he's run, his tight ends usually have very defined roles. If you're his blocking tight end, you are in when we are running the football. Or I need you as an extra protector. If you are my receiving tight end, you are in when I want to throw the football and we target you. Blake Jarwin, this could be a blessing to his career to have Mike McCarthy come in. And another one is Michael Gallup. I mean, Mike McCarthy has made a living taking, uh, you know, using very good route runners, spreading things out and finding receivers that can get separation, that can run crisp routes. You think about the Jordy Nelsons, you think about the Devontae Adams. I mean, he likes his exterior, his his perimeter receivers that can separate, that can run routes, that can make plays down the field. I think Michael Gallup and Blake Jarwin could really, really thrive from this. Also, Randall Cobb is a free agent. You know, I'm not exactly sure how that relationship wrapped up after Randall Cobb uh, left this last year. But you know what? Maybe, you know, maybe playing for his former coach uh, is something he would be interested in coming back here on a deal. You know, obviously he came out and proved that he could stay healthy this season for the most part. And, uh. And who knows, maybe maybe Randall Cobb ends up sticking around in Dallas Cowboys uniform. One last thing, sir. Um, what you know, and 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 you and I talked about this. Um, we talked about this during the pre-show. If there are any coaches on the on the past staff, on Jason Garrett's staff, that we would like to see retained, it seems like they are all on the offensive side of the ball. Coach Ty, you know, if there were one coach, just one, that you could retain with Mike McCarthy, what with what he wants to do, who who would it be? There's no doubt in my mind it'd be Mark Colombo. Um, Mark Colombo, I believe, is one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL. Again, we talked many, many times on this podcast throughout the year. Uh, the Cowboys had some major injuries. Uh, now, the Cowboys had some really tough offensive linemen who played a bunch of games hurt, but they had some major injuries this year, and that offensive line was still one of the most productive in the league. The Cowboys threw the ball way more than they did last year, and Dak Prescott's sack numbers were way down. So um, I think he's a bright young mind. He's an ex-Football. He's an ex-Dallas Cowboy. And more than anything else, I think those offensive linemen respect him. I think they get him. I don't see any reason for them to bring in another guy and go – a completely different way in the way that they teach technique, in the way that they teach alignment, in the way that they tell those guys how to do things. Um, I think that he's going to be, you know, uh, be able to adapt to anything Mike McCarthy won offensively, particularly if he keeps Kellen Moore as the offensive, uh, you know, coordinator. But even if he doesn't, 
Uh, I think Mark Colombo has is a very underrated NFL coach. He deserves uh, the the credit for what this offensive line has done over the last few years um, because uh, people forget how bad they were. Um, you know, uh, previous when Paul Alexander was the offensive line coach early last year, and what Mark Colombo has done to turn them around. So. Um, I definitely think that if all the guys that are here under contract that you know may or may not stay, uh, my hope is that Mark Colombo is retained. Yeah, and there's and and like I said, there's a lot of options here. You know, a lot of people very big fan of Gary Brown, the running backs coach. A lot of people very big fan like me of John Kitna and the work he put in with Dak Prescott to really clean up that throwing motion. And uh, and and make him a better passer. Kellen Moore, Sanjay Lau, the receivers coach. I know the receivers had their struggles with with drops. I'm not going to argue that one bit. However, Sanjay Lau is a teacher of routes, and that is something in a West Coast scheme that is vital. If you're going to spread things out, you have got to have receivers who focus on running clean routes, getting separation in and out of their breaks, getting into their breaks cleanly, getting off the line of scrimmage cleanly. Those are things Lau teaches, and I am hoping that uh, that he will at least uh, you know get a conversation with Mike McCarthy, you know, before a decision is made about that receiver's position. And like I say. You know, there you could make that case just about with any offensive coach. Could make that case if Jason Witten's ready to, to you know, to put on the headset on the sideline about possibly bringing him in as some form of coach. We'll all he- we'll hear about that in the upcoming weeks. We're going to go and take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys. It it sounds like it is official. Mike Nolan will be joining the Dallas Cowboys staff as the defensive coordinator, which means likely changes on the defensive side. We'll talk about that when we get back here on the Big D Beatdown. And we are back here on the Big D Beatdown. I'm your host, Austin Smith, joined as always by Coach Ty Rogers. And now we are going to go ahead and talk about the hiring of Mike Nolan as defensive coordinator. It does sound like they have made it official. It sounds like Mike McCarthy has picked the guy that he wants to run his defense. Mike Nolan, a longtime defensive coordinator in the NFL. This is a guy who's been a defensive coordinator or head coach for 21 seasons in the NFL. He has been a defensive coordinator for the New York Giants, the Washington Redskins, the New York Jets for a year, the Baltimore Ravens, the San Francisco 49ers as a head coach, the Denver Broncos, the Miami Dolphins, the Atlanta Falcons. He most recently was the linebackers coach in New Orleans. Um, This is a guy that's pretty partial to the 3-4. Now, it's not to say he hasn't coached the 4-3. He was here in New Orleans. I want to say his time in Atlanta was spent uh, coaching the 4-3 as well. So this is a guy that, you know, yes, he could continue to run a four-man front here in Dallas, which is what we somewhat have the personnel for. Now, it's funny because we talk a lot about, you know, what uh, we talked a lot about in the pre-show, the personnel that the Cowboys have from last year. Defensive line is going to see a ton of turnover. Robert Quinn's a free agent. Michael Bennett's a free agent. Chris Covington is a free agent. Kerry Hyder is a free agent. Tyrone Crawford, uh, it'll be free to cut him if we if we decide we want to move in that direction to gain more cap space. All his all his guaranteed money is paid. He's got no more dead money on that contract. 
Antoine Woods is an ex- uh, exclusive rights free agent. Malik Collins is a free agent. A lot of free agents on that defensive line. So if the Dallas Cowboys wanted to, this would be probably the best offseason for us to make a change to our front seven. The problem is Demarcus Lawrence. And we are going to start there because I am not sure if Demarcus Lawrence can stand up and play that rush outside linebacker position. And he is not moving inside to a five technique. We are not wasting a talent like him inside doing things that, you know, that that he's just that that just don't fit his forte. So coach Ty, let's start with this. Mike Nolan, how do you like the hire and do you see us jumping into a 3-4 with him or do you think that, you know, he might show a little patience based on the fact of a DeMarcus Lawrence already being in place as well as a few other pieces? Well, I definitely think he's a proven defense coordinator. He's definitely got a, you know, very successful experience wherever he's been. Um, I don't know how the personnel that he has is going to fit what he wants to do. I do believe he's a three, four guy. I do believe that Mike McCarthy is bringing him in here to run his defense. Reason being is because Mike McCarthy is an offensive guy. And for those of y'all who, uh, might be a little bit light on how coaching staffs work. Generally, when you bring in a guy, um, and you are specifically, brought up or you specifically made your your coaching um career on one side of the football when you hire the opposite that guy's going to run the entire program when it comes to that side of the football not that mike mccarthy would have no say in what happens on the defensive side of the football but when you bring in a coordinator on the opposite side of the ball you are bringing him in to be the head coach for that side so i expect that he is going to let Mike Owen be a 3-4 guy, and I expect that they are going to uh, make the changes necessary this year, and the reason being is because the Cowboys are in flux when it comes to contracts. They are in flux when it comes to free agency this year, and the Cowboys have money to spend. So this would be the year for them to go to 3-4 and to go ahead and make the changes necessary to get there. Now, with Tank Lawrence and what we just talked about, he is very much in the situation that like Greg Ellis was in when Wade Phillips came in and put the 3-4 in. Um, Greg Ellis, for those of y'all who don't remember your Cowboy history, Greg Ellis was a pretty dang good defensive end um, that you know was a 4-3 type defensive end. Um, and then when Wade Phillips came in, he became a stand-up linebacker. And Greg Ellis was not that successful as a stand-up linebacker in a 3-4 system. Now, um, the question is, what would they do with Tank Lawrence if they were not going to make him a stand-up guy? Well, there are a couple options. Number one, they could run a modified 3-4 front um, and make him basically a 5 technique um, on the weak side, meaning that he would be a pass rush defensive in the majority of the time um, with a linebacker who's a stand-up guy over the tight end on the strong side. And that might work, you know, for, you know, two to three downs. Maybe you have to substitute him in, maybe have to switch him out or maybe stand him up on pass rush downs and bring somebody else for pass cover responsibility. Second option is, is that you don't go to the three, four immediately and then you run some type of hybrid. But the problem with that is the same problem that we had this year in Dallas with the defense. Mishmashing a defense just doesn't work. You have to have everybody 
all 11 guys on the same page as far as responsibility. And even if it means that Tank Lawrence has to relearn how to pass cover, relearn how to do some of the things that he did a little earlier in his career in college um, or was able to do a little better in his career in college at Boise State, then that might be what has to be done. Or they may have to bring in somebody else you know, on downs where they believe that he is going to be a pass rusher and move him inside. That, both of them are a problem. And both of them present a great challenge for Mike Nolan. Um, but he has dealt with this before. There are a couple of places he's been where he's had four, three personnel and came in and brought a three, four in and did pretty well. So that part of things, you know, is the really kind of the only sketch part. With the rest of the personnel, linebacking court, you know, we talked about how uh, Priest show how he would be great for Leighton Vanderish and Jalen Smith. I mean, the, he has had some of the best linebacking cores in the NFL over the last few years. <laughs> And because of that, he's going to make a great difference in those guys. And with their athleticism and ability, whether they're a 4-3 or a 3-4 we should have a better defense next year just because he's going to set them free. Um, Secondary-wise, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Generally, Mike Nolan is not a Chris Richard school kind of guy when it comes to DBs. Um, his safeties are going to be bigger. His corners are going to be smaller. So, It'd be interesting to see what happens there, perhaps, with what they've got. Um, of course, the first thing they have to decide whether or not they want to re-sign Anthony uh, Brown. If they do, then they're going to have to figure out what to do with safety. Jeff Heath is not the typical Mike Nolan safety. Chido Bayouzier is, but can he play the position? So there are some things that have to be done. They have to make some decisions. And then they're going to have to decide whether or not they want to revamp the secondary or if they want to take the guys they've got and maybe refit them a little differently. But overall, I think that Mike Nolan has had success with his defenses. I think he has been a very aggressive defensive coach. And he's a guy that I think is going to bring, like I said, a head coaching mentality to that side of the football. And even if not everything else is better, that's 100% better than what we saw this year because we had two guys and, again, there's been some rumors and, and reports about how uh, Chris Richard and Rob Marinelli didn't get along and didn't talk, and, and that's why he has some of the problems he had this year. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. But what we do know is that we never had 11 guys on the same page when it came to defense this year. Mike Nolan will bring that because his track record says that he is not going to uh, have a defense and never has had a defense where fundamentals lack. So I think it's a good hire. Is definitely a departure from what the Cowboys have done over the last few years. So we will see, and it'll be very interesting in the offseason, how quickly the transition is made to the 3-4, if it's going to be made this year or if it's going to be made at all. And if it's not made, how Mike Nolan's going to adapt. Um, but again, bringing in a guy on the opposite side, I expect that he's going to have carte blanche to do what he wants to do. And so I think you're going to see a very different personnel group defensively for the Cowboys in 2020. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. What what I'll also throw in there, too, is first and foremost, Mike Nolan, like I say, New Orleans, they, they you know, he's been there as their linebackers coach. They're running a 4-3. Like I say, Atlanta, where he was the defensive coordinator before that, I want to say under Mike Smith, he, they were running a 4-3. So this is a guy whose most recent experience is in the 4-3. Now, on the other hand, we talk about Mike McCarthy. 
Yes, he is more of an offensive-minded head coach, but he still is a head coach, and he has had a preference in his defenses, and they have been the three-man front, which is what, obviously, Mike Nolan has been the majority of his career. So that's something that Mike Nolan and Mike McCarthy have in common. They both are comfortable with the three-man front. Mike McCarthy, for all those years, Dom Capers was his defensive coordinator, and they were running the odd-man front. Mike Pettin you know, later on was his uh, defensive coordinator. They were running the three man front. So, I mean, the bottom line is, is, is it does seem that eventually we will get to that. And I want to say this too, because, uh, you know, Demarcus Lawrence hasn't always been as big as he is now. Matter of fact, coming out of the draft, he weighed 251 pounds coming out of Boise state. I had him pegged out of the draft as a better fit as a stand-up linebacker coming out of Boise state. When we drafted him, my first thought was, wow, we just got rid of DeMarcus Ware because we went from a, a from standing him up as a linebacker to putting his hand on the ground in a 4-3 system, and he got injured because of it. Therefore, because we decided that when it came time to find room to have to create room for Tyron Smith's contract, DeMarcus Ware was the the, the logical choice because... You know, how comfortable is he in the four-man front where he's taking more of a pounding? You know, it's best maybe to just move on from him. That's what we did. I was not thrilled about the Demarcus Lawrence pick, which we traded up for in the second round, because I thought, wow, you're getting another guy just like that. A guy who's undersized to play in the four-man front and is going to have to add on weight. Now, obviously, Tank Lawrence did that, and he's become pretty darn good at it. I'm not sure if him slimming down is going to be something that's that's possible at this point in his, his career. You mentioned the Greg Ellis situation. I think that is a, a very good example. The only difference is Greg Ellis, <coughs> excuse me, was, you know, he, he, he was midway through a contract at that point. Demarcus Lawrence is just starting his new contract, and it ain't going nowhere. Believe you me, you look at the figures of that thing, we paid him heavily because we told him to prove it on a franchise tag. He did, and therefore we had no leverage and ended up paying him a contract that's pretty darn expensive. So, so I mean, he's going to be a Dallas Cowboy for some time, and they are going to have to figure out specifically how they get a defense formed around him. Because Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, they could go either way. They could play in a 3-4. They could play in a 4-3. Either way, they're your two your two middle linebackers in the 3-4 or your Mike and Will in, I'm sorry, in the 3-4 or your Mike and Will in the 4-3. So, and, 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 you know, Coach Ty brought it up. I, I brought it up pre-show, guys. That is one, that is a duo that is going to benefit from Mike Nolan are Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh. They are going to benefit big time. He has had some of the best linebacker duos. Not always his, you know, the, his building, but they've had some of their best seasons. You go back and look to his time in Baltimore when he had Ray Lewis and Bart Scott was still part of that defense on the inside. Those guys played some of their best football with Mike Nolan. You look at his head coaching job in San Francisco, you're talking about Patrick Willis. You're talking about Navarro Bowman, some very good linebackers. They played their best football with Mike Nolan. I mean, this is a guy that, yes, he has always done a good job. His his brief time in Denver, 
had some good linebackers that came out of there. You know, I, I it's I, I I if you guys go back and, and I, I said this to Coach Ty in the pre-show. Go back and watch this last year in New Orleans. Demario Davis is a linebacker who's been solid for most of his career, whether it be with the New York Jets or the the New Orleans Saints. He's been solid. I tell you what, Demario Davis had himself a heck of a year this year for the New Orleans Saints, and Mike Nolan's a lot of the reason why. Jalen Smith, Leighton Vanderesh, we should see the best of them under Mike Nolan. Now, secondary-wise, there's going to be a lot of questions there, too. we still got a lot of free agents. Byron Jones, Jeff Heath, Anthony Brown, all free agents. Cheeto Obeyawuzie, Jordan Lewis, Xavier Woods, all free agents after next year. Going to be a lot of turnover there, too. I'm interested to see who he gets in to help coach the back end of that because that will really kind of give us an idea of who's likely to stay and who's likely to go. Coach Ty, I'm going to ask you the same question I did for the offensive staff. One coach on the defensive side that you could keep around, who would it be? It's a really good question. I I don't – I really don't know if I have an answer. Do you need me to name the defensive quality control coaches? Uh, I mean, you know – it may be helpful in determining, <laughs> but uh, Andre Garad, our former center, is a defensive quality control coach. He's uh, actually, I think, he's an assistant defensive line coach. Oh, well, shout, uh, shout out to Andre Garad. I know him and have met him several times, and, and we, we've <laughs> talked over the years. So, uh, if he's with the Cowboys as a defensive quality control coach, I'm all for keeping him around. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, this bottom line, the, the, the defensive coaching staff did not do a great job this year. And a lot of that has to do with our leadership. And I know that eventually, you know, stuff rolls downhill, unfortunately. And uh, there might have been some good things done, you know, with position coaches on defense. Um, you know, I think Leon Lett does a good job with, with those defensive linemen as far as uh, pass rush, because uh, that's what he does. He's a pass rush specialist. Um, so perhaps he's a guy that, you know, might be able to stick around and work with them. Uh, for those who don't understand NFL coaching staffs, even though Rob Marinelli is the defensive line coach and the guy who was kind of in charge, um, when it comes to the line, you basically got three guys. You, you're going to have a guy who's a scheme guy. You're going to have a guy who's a technique guy. And then you're going to have a guy who's going to work uh, some of the odds and ends, stunts, and, and those type of things. Uh, and like you said, be a guy who's going to you know uh, look at the scheme of the offense like, like Andre Girard and, and uh, kind of help those guys understand how to combat it. So uh, he might be the only guy that I can think of. Uh, th- this defense – Never looked in sync, and that to me is always a coaching problem. And I just don't believe that. Uh, again, with a new coordinator coming in, particularly if they go to a different scheme, I don't see anybody sticking around. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you on that. Uh, like I said, you know, maybe some of these, you know, up and coming coaches that are just getting their feet wet at a position or or as a quality control, maybe they're. Uh, Maybe maybe they're part of it, but uh, you know I, I I think this defense they they definitely need some new voices. First of all, they need one voice running the defense. Secondly, they need uh, they need some defined roles from their position coaches, and we need to understand how this defense is going to run moving forward. Um, before we close out the show, guys, I marked something down that I wanted to mention about Jason Garrett earlier, and I completely skipped over it. We're going to venture back to Jason Garrett one time, and this is a, a fond memory of mine. 
You know, guys, it, it, we talk all the time about, you know, about how t- players and coaches both balance the business side of things with the team side of things because those things are completely, they're complete contradictions to each other. You know, um, we're going to we're going to have this conversation about Dak Prescott later. And you know what? Yes, maybe your market value does say somewhere in the low, you know, thirty three million dollar range. But technically, you know, being a Dallas Cowboy quarterback and all the endorsements that come with it, being in a state with no state tax, you know, being behind an offensive line that's going to keep you healthy so you can play longer. How do those things factor into possibly taking less money? You know, it is. It's it's like, man, of course I want to stay with the Cowboys. I love playing with this offensive line and stuff like that. That's that that's you know what these players and coaches have to deal with when contracts come up. Jason Garrett was an offensive coordinator on this team when Wade Phillips was running things. Jason Garrett had offers to be head coach a uh, head coach somewhere else. The Baltimore Ravens wanted Jason Garrett. The Atlanta Falcons, if I'm not mistaken, wanted Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett said, no, no, I'm good here in Dallas as the offensive coordinator and as the future head coach. Jason Garrett, as opposed to taking the paycheck, as opposing to taking the title that he wanted, he stuck it out here. You know, you think about some of the names that haven't necessarily done that, you know? Sean Payton, wasn't willing to, to stick it out here until his turn came. And I don't think he regrets it. I don't know if Jason Garrett regret, regrets it either. But, you know, for all the, you know, the people out there that, that you know, that think that all players should always, you know, do always, and coaches always, you know, when it's time to think business and you got to focus on business, Jason Garrett passed on that. And he told the Joneses, hey, guys, you guys believe in me? I'm staying right here. I'm staying right here. Another great uh, another great thing about Jason Garrett that Cowboys fans would do well to remember as opposed to just focusing on the disappointment that we've had here recently. And we're going to go ahead and wrap it up there, guys. Um, be sure and join us next time. We are eventually, once we start hearing about some of the names, uh, uh, you know, that start popping up as 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 position coaches, uh, offensive coordinator, things like that. We will start. Uh, we we will put a show together talking about that. We're also going to talk about um, the Dallas Cowboys' large group of free agents coming up. We've got plenty of shows lined up for you. Don't think just because the uh, season's over that the big D beatdown's going anywhere. We've got plenty of shows lined up, especially some on the draft, which many of y'all that listen to the show know that's my forte. Trust me, I've got some draft stories that I'm looking forward to sharing with you guys. We're going to talk about all that on the Big D Beatdown. And don't forget to go and visit us over at pigskinnut.com, the soon-to-be undisputed king of football news and podcasts, where you can find everything we do on the Dallas Cowboys. If you want quality football analysis with independent opinions from people who know and understand the X's and O's of the game, head on over to Pigskin Nut, guys. Remember, Pigskin Nut for those crazy about football. Also, if you like what you hear, be sure and subscribe to our show. We're available on a variety of platforms, folks. You can find the Big D Beatdown in the Apple and Google Podcast stores on Anchor, on Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Podbeam. Click that subscribe button and they'll notify you every time we put out an episode. 
Thanks for joining us on the Big DB Down today, guys. For Coach Ty Rogers, I'm Austin Smith. Have a good one, Cowboy fans.